0: loudspeaker studios hey there i'm your host sarah monarez and you're listening to the we podcast where together we find inspiration encouragement and growth through stories and real talk here we navigate the messy human experience together we raise our voices and speak our truth In this space, we value the conversations that broaden our perspective and help us fully understand that we are connected, we are capable of growth, and that we are not alone. Are you ready? Let's get real. Welcome to the WE Podcast. I have Megan February here with me today, and Megan is an author and trauma-informed book coach. Her expertise in the body as a storyteller has been a healing support for hundreds at story workshops and embodied healing retreats as the founder of the global storytelling brand for the women who roar a hundred thousand plus community from around the world, a publisher of the online magazine, which also has featured over a hundred thousand plus stories of women and as the creator of the Growing Book year platform, Megan has guided hundreds of women through the process of writing their books and healing their stories. Over the years, she has been called a master guide for all things writing and creativity. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Megan.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's always <laughs> weird hearing.
0: Isn't yes, it? I know. I feel weird too, but <laughs> But you're amazing. You're amazing. Back at you. (laughs) Thank you. And so excited to dive in with you because this is a topic that I'm passionate about. I recently, well, 2019, I think, uh, released my memoir. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And so I really believe in the power of telling your story, uh, the healing power for yourself and and for other people who, who read. What you have to say as well. So I'm excited to dive in to hearing more about what you do exactly. That makes me so happy. And literally, the way you just said that of wanting to heal the
1: story and, you know, share it with the world is why I do what I do. <laughs> I was just talking with a client the other day about, you know, they're really excited about publishing and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yes, 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 that's amazing. Got to share the work. But I was like, but first and foremost, we have to write to heal. We have to write to. And uncover our voice and uncover our truth, like at the core, like that is just the, the deep, deep why. So I'm so excited to hear you've done that and taken the brave, brave step of, of sharing your story. I have a million questions for you about that. but,
0: <laughs> 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 oh, but
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it is brave, very brave. Mm. It took me Mm. seven years to do it because, well, because I was scared. I mean, Mm. not because I didn't. Mm. Mm.
1: How did it turn out for you once you, once you put it out there, Did, did the fear become realized or was it? Not as no,
0: not near as scary. But I will say there is something to be said about Brené Brown's term, the vulnerability hangover. You know? Oh yeah! (laughs) My gosh, (laughs) the struggle was real. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So, so you walk people through writing to heal their story. What does that mean exactly?
1: My business is book year. So I help people write their book in a year. And along the way, they're healing their story. I don't think there's any way to not approach that (laughs) as part of the journey. Anything we do creatively is really about recovering that creative death that we've experienced in our life over and over again, all the dreams we've put aside, all the ways that we have embraced the shadow artist in us and did work that we were supposed to do or should do, but not the thing we most felt in our core and in our being, the thing that like when we were little, we're like, I want to be this, I want to be this. And there was nobody telling us we were bad. It was just what we wanted to do. And so I think so much of the work and so much of the healing is really about honoring that little part of us, their dream, you know, and giving them that space to say, yes, you, you got this, you did this. And they're turning back to us and going, yes, you did this, you got this, you know, it's this beautiful relationship. So the process is, you know, it's a, it's long, it's amazing. Um, But in just like the sense of the healing process, because While writing a book is that's a whole process in itself. And I have a whole system and beautiful setup for that. But in terms of the healing journey, there's a number of ways that we write to heal. I mean, I'm sure you know this through your own process. And I can sit here and teach about them. But the best way to learn them is through the lived experience of being in it. Right. I'm a trauma-informed guide. I studied that was my background was studying uh, research around the way the body holds story. So a lot of what I bring into my work for writers, creatives, anyone wanting to write to heal, write their books is that trauma informed approach. So different categories that you know might be familiar to people that are in that healing space such as you know agency. So like how do you bring agency into your writing work? You're making the choice. You get to make the choice. I always say to folks that are writing this is your book. You make the rules. You're not having to work for anyone. This is your thing. This is your baby, right? So um, knowing you have the agency, you have the choice, you have the power to make the call is is one of the I mean, key things in, in really healing the story is knowing you have a choice here. You get to choose how you tell it. You get to choose how you write it. It's your voice, your story. So in that way, we've become that advocate for the stories we want to tell, you know, and the stories maybe we never... Felt we were able to. Another category of the healing process, obviously, is I'd say embodiment. So really bringing the body to the page. And so there's a couple of ways of doing that is one literally like (laughs) bringing tangible objects into the room. So I like have lots of stones and candles and essential oils and things that really bring my senses to life as I'm writing. And then also being a lot of mindfulness of the awareness of the body as you're writing. So the engagement of the senses really brings you back to earth. So like for instance, for writing hard stories, or we're writing material that causes us to dissociate, disconnect, float away. Having these practices to come back to the room is really essential for the writing. Cause a lot of the reasons why we stop writing or we burn out in the process of writing hard material is because we don't have these self-care practices. So having this embodied space and routine and and ritual for yourself as you're writing, even before you start so you know, so you're not like showing up and you're like writing hard things and then you have no way of caring for yourself. Having that in place is really, really critical. So so agency, embodiment, I mentioned the word empowerment. That's obviously a part of it. Um, I'd also say the word compassion um, showing up with a deep compassion for yourself is really critical too. So especially with work, like writing a book or any kind of creative project, the perfectionism shows up, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh no, <laughs> this is not good enough. And the beautiful thing about when we, when we write to heal and showing up to the page and with that kind of compassion is we get to change up that relationship with that inner perfectionist all of a sudden, they don't have the bullying power, you know, that they may be used to. You're able to show up with curiosity and kindness and compassion towards yourself and, and giving yourself the space to to write, as Anne Lamont says, the shitty first draft and shitty second draft and just let it be. And every time we do that, that heals us because we go, I'm enough. Am I enough? You know? mm-hmm. And then the last word I'd say for the work of writing to heal is the word consent kind of goes into the making of your own rules. But I'm a big believer in making creativity consensual. And in the sense that comes back to that word of agency and choice, you get to choose what you're writing here. And you get to choose what you're not writing. You don't have to write anything you don't want to. You don't have to say anything you don't want to. You don't have to write any genre you don't want to. You want to tell your story in a fiction form and you want to put yourself on a like desert island with you know you're a mermaid or i don't that does not make sense Desert I do the word but what you have like <laughs> but you create you get to cho- you get to choose this is your story um so making it a consensual thing of asking yourself how do i want to share this does this resonate does this feel safe for me and making that creative process consensual um and also a, another language too that i use for the consensual Creativity practices. Are you forcing or are you flowing? So if you feel like you're forcing something, then obviously that language is going to feel really detrimental. So how do I flow? How do I flow with this, this book? And if you're, if you find you're not flowing and you're forcing, then practice in the consent. Take a moment, breathe, pause, give yourself a chance to be there, to wait, to be still. You don't have to rush it. Give yourself time, right? So, um, those are just really key categories in the, in the practice of writing to heal, that I always approach
0: with my clients. Mm, I love that. So, so many things came up for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, it was I a start? lot. <laughs> where do I start? No, it's just so good. I love writing. I love, love writing. For me, I, I mean, writing is a therapeutic process for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And there's something about writing, though. That I think brings people in general, and I, you know, the Wee Spot, which I'm the founder of, is a blog. We have multiple writers. We Ooh. actually open the We Spot to anybody can submit writing pieces. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it's beautiful because I know how healing writing is, but also how healing reading. Oh, I'm not the only one that feels that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, uh, there's just such power in validation and, mm-hmm. and normalizing experiences. The writers that I have worked with, what I've worked with personally is fear is something that comes up so strongly for people and for myself. I think it's one thing to be writing for yourself, but when you're writing to share it and you're writing for the book or you're writing to have it Published or put out there, I mean, or for social or whatever it is, mm. there's a different component that seems to take over when you're writing for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the struggle's real there,
1: and this is there's a number of reasons why people end up not writing their book. They're they they say, "Oh, I'm just not ready. I'm just getting to that place." And like, well, if the reason's fear. Mm, Are we ever ready for that? And there's this great quote by um, Stephen Pressfield, who wrote The War of Arties. It's an incredible book, if anybody hasn't read that. And it's all about resistance. And he says, you know, fear is the indicator of what we need to do. Fear is the indicator of our great calling. You know, I'm I'm totally uh, butchering his quote. But it basically is saying, like, you know, the more you fear, (laughs) the greater the indicator that you need to go there, Right. When people feel fear, when they come to me and they're like, or in there, even if they're in the midst of their writing process and they're running into that big fear. Oh God, what if I write this? I get so excited. So even as you're saying all that, I'm smiling because it's just, that's the power of the work. That means that we're on to something really important. So the fear is again, leaning back into that consensualness. Do I feel safe enough to share this? It, do I feel Okay. So giving ourselves the permission to write it in a way that allows us to feel safe. So just a tangible example of that is like, if you're writing a story that feels like, Ooh, this is real vulnerable, or how's my mom going to feel about this, all these kind of things. Playing with the surrounding, the scene, the feeling of the space, rather than the tangible, like articulate, dialogue like all the little factual details and writing kind of in a way that feels playful metaphorical these kind of things bring a little poetry and lyricism allows a little space spaciousness for the scene itself if it feels real impossible to like go to the literalness of the scene especially if the memory is like foggy for that scene itself so but fear is fear is the thing and fear is the indicator and so we can't wait until we don't feel afraid if anything we need to lean in because there's an invitation there that the fear is saying yes you're on to something you know it's Mm. the gift it's the gift so Mm. i i i get excited Whenever I feel fear and I'm writing something, I'm just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I tremble, I shake, I stutter. And I know that there is something sacred that is about to happen on the page.
0: <laughs> That's where the good stuff is. Yeah. It is. But it's <laughs> also where we we'll run. Yes. But I love that. I love that reframe. Like, fear is a gift. It is it is something to lean into. It's not something to run away from. Mm.
1: It's so hard, though. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: I mean, coming from, and I
1: just want to acknowledge as coming from backgrounds of like trauma experience, and that's my background. I work with a lot of folks. I'm not saying to not listen to that intuition of fear and what it is there uh, in your body is inviting you to, to consider and, and be kind to that approach, but listening for the reasons why you're afraid. Are you afraid because you're not safe? Are you afraid because some old conditioning or old experience is keeping you locked into something? But you are free now. Who are you now? And so some of our writing is saying, like I literally, when I'm writing hard material, I look at my hands and I go, oh man, they're older. They're not baby hands. They're not young anymore. I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm almost 40, man. I can do this, right? Like this is the gift, you know? So noticing when you're afraid too, of who am I now? What have I overcome? Validating your strength and your resilience. And when that fear shows up, So it's really about making friends with the fear and maybe not best friends because it might be a toxic partner, but like, but acknowledging like, hey, fear, I see you. I'm not running from you,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but I'm not going to give you like a power play. Right. In this book, in this writing. Taking your power back.
0: Really? Yeah. It's critical. Yeah. That's something that I really noticed once my book was out there that there's just it's it's the vil- vulnerability hangover is there. But I think what's more powerful and what's more important is the the freedom that's there. Mm-hmm. There's no more hiding. There's no more fear around what if somebody finds this out about me? You know, what if they find out that I'm not as good as they, whatever. I mean, all of that is gone because it's it's there. <laughs> and there is no hiding anymore. Mm, oh, my gosh. Every time
1: I put out something creative, I get depressed. <laughs> every time I submitted a book proposal yesterday, or day before yesterday, and oh, I just got so depressed. And I think there's, there's a vulnerability every time we put out something that we're giving people the chance to dance with that run the chance to dance with our, with our vulnerability, you know, it's brings up a lot. And so I think just a reminder and for anybody listening that might feel like, oh, just so hard, like, just like, no, like you're not alone. Like it's really, it's, is it's why I don't know Brene Brown's quote about it by heart, but you know, that bravery and vulnerability is the innovation, you know, for she said change or something like, and it is, it changes us. It changes people every time we step into it,
0: but it, but it's scary. It's hard, but -hmm. that's good. (laughs) It is good. And it's how we change
1: the world.
0: It's how we change. It's how we change. Everything is by sharing and being real and telling people what's really going on with us.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things I'm noticing a lot with my clients is they'll write all the way through their book And then they get to that place or they get close to finishing, but they don't quite finish or they get, they struggle with it because that's when the fear gets really real of like, Oh, I did the work, but now I have to share it. Or I mean, being invited to share it. And not everybody that writes their book has to share it with the world. Like it's totally up to you. Like you can keep it and manifest it and like literally make it material and sit it on your bookshelf. And that can be the most alive thing. And it's amazing. I think it's incredible. But if your call is to share it with the world, the the struggle gets really real when you get close to that finishing point. There's a great quote by an author where she says, "I I struggled to finish anything because I was afraid of failure." And I I think that that fear, that struggle of getting close to that ending place, gets really loud when we near the process of committing to sharing the work publicly. You know mm-hmm. and being in that face of vulnerability that it that invites us to.
0: I have a mini blog I've been writing for the Wee Spot that is 90% done and has been for weeks now and mm. <laughs> I just have to finish that 10%. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I totally get it. (laughs) I've always, and it's interesting that you say the depression piece, because I definitely have felt that for sure. And I always attributed it to when I'm creating and really pouring my heart and soul into something, it takes so much energy. Mm. You know, it takes so much energy out of me that after I'm done, I just feel depleted.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Actually, I don't think I thought about it in that way, but it makes sense. It's kind of like you've given everything you can and then it's like that big sigh of relief and maybe that embodied sigh for someone just feels like a collapse.
0: Yeah, I and, need to take a nap for a few days.
1: Yeah, <laughs> every time I do anything, I mean, anything creative, which I'm creative all the time, I'm so I'm always tired, but in a good way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um it's an indicator yeah no but that i think listening to the way that our emotions show up with our creative work is really important because it's teaching us something about where we are and where we've been yeah so i noticed that over the years it's literally a sadness of when i take the risk and put myself out there and i'm still playing with it i'm not quite sure all the meanings behind it i have some some ideas of like where where some of that wounding comes from but yeah, I think I'm still in the process of trying to like learn. What are you associated with? Like these feelings of when you step out in that bravery, it feels old. It feels like a a real or it feels like a really young wound of why that feeling arises anytime I take a risk. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it feels important.
0: Yeah. And just being aware and open to the curiosity of that, I think, is huge. Mm -hmm.
1: That's really key. It's really easy to shut it down, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) staying open to it's like,
0: hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So you said something earlier I want to go back to, and you talked about the creative death. And I um, would love for you to explain that a little bit more, what that means exactly.
1: (laughs) Um. This maybe is a term somebody has said before. I don't know. Probably. I mean, what has not been said? It came up the other day. Um, I was talking with a client and I said this language because she was talking about how she'd been working on a book for... She'd been trying to write it for 10 years. And um, she's finally taken that step, which is amazing. And she talked about like the pain of putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And as I was talking to her, I just was like, you know, how many times have we committed this creative death of our dreams, our desire, our longing? So when I say creative death, I don't mean like the end of all, like, I guess I believe a bit in resurrection and I don't, I'm not like talking about like necessarily like some spirit. I mean, I think everything's spiritual ish, but I just mean that like, when I say death, nothing's final really to me. So so even a creative death, like it might feel like the end of something as in loss, but there's an opportunity that it could be resurrected and come back to life if we give it that breath, if we give it that energy and revival of, of our trust or advocacy or show up, right? So when I say creative death, I'm meaning a few things. I'm meaning, yeah, this deep loss and this deep grief of when we abandon a project that we really long for, we don't finish it. We don't put it out there, even though our heart was really to publish it or the sense of abandonment, um, which I talk about a lot with folks that are like wanting to write their books, but don't or wanting to you know, make that art, but don't quite commit. And, And it just breaks my heart because I know it so well of that sense of abandonment, abandoning a hope and a desire that we've had since we were young. And so creative death can feel like that too which really, you know, rubs up against a really, again, a really young wound often for us of, you know, times we might've felt abandoned. And so we can feel that even in our creative deaths or creative abandonments. Um, so when we show back up to it, like say you, you desire to write something and you keep putting it off and you're just like, oh god, I can't, how do I do this? I've just done this so many times and I'm just going to be showing up again with all these those ways of compassion and kindness and going, okay, I see the struggle here. I feel the reality that this is scary, But I'm going to be with you now. And I'm going to give you patience and kindness. and I'm going to hold your hand through the process. I'm not going to abandon you. Even if I'm just sitting here with you, Paige, even if I'm just sitting here with all the blankness, I'm not going to run. And every, when we do that, that's that little revival. So the death, the loss, the abandonment we felt in our creative experience, all of a sudden something comes back to life because we sit with it and mm-hmm. all of its uncomfortableness. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's powerful.
0: This episode is brought to you by Audible. In my conversation with Megan we talk all about writing your book and facing the fear embracing the creativity so many beautiful things that happen when people share their stories and and they write their books and audible is one place where you can consume those stories Now, unfortunately, not all the books are on Audible, but there are some really amazing books on there. Lots of other things that they offer too, like podcasts, guided wellness programs, and lots of Audible originals that you can find over there. One of my favorite Audible books that is read by the author, which is my favorite when it's read by the author, is called Big Magic. Creative Living Beyond Fear, and that's by Elizabeth Gilbert, who is one of my favorite authors. So get immersed in your own growth. Get immersed in the vulnerable connection with other people that you can find through listening to and reading those stories. So head over, check it out. You can get signed up by visiting audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash WEPodcast. When you sign up, you get a free 30 days. And then after that, it's only $14.95 a month, which is totally worth it. All right, let's get back to the conversation.
1: There's this great quote. Can I read this quote? Actually,
0: yeah, sure.
1: It just made me think about this. It's from um, Annie Dillard's *The Writing Life*. Okay, yeah, it's a really, really great book. But this part here just feels so on point, and it's one I return back to over and over again. She says, "I do not so much write a book as sit up with it, as with a dying friend during visiting hours. I enter its room with dread and sympathy for its many." disorders. I hold its hand and hope it will get better. This tender relationship can change in a twinkling. If you skip a visit or two, a work in progress will turn on you. A work in progress quickly becomes feral. It reverts to a wild state overnight. It is barely domesticated, a mustang on which you must one day fasten a halter, but which now you can catch. It is a lion you cage in your study, and as the work grows, it gets harder to control. It is a lion growing in strength. You must visit it every day and reassert your mastery over it. If you skip a day, you are quite rightly afraid to open the door to its room. <laughs> I love it, though. I, the language of sitting with this creative work is if you're sitting with like a dying friend. You're just sitting there, and you are the presence with it. Like... And just work in that space of compassion and kindness, not knowing it. And it's so uncomfortable, but that's
0: where the power and healing and all that happens, Mm though. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) It's really good. I guess that brings up questions for me. So Mm. I I guess going back to like, like I said, it took me seven years. And in those in it, so everything you're saying, I'm like, in those seven years, It was like a cloud always over me. I know I'm supposed to do this and I'm not doing it. I know I'm supposed to do this and I'm not doing it. So that feels to me like what you're talking about with the creative death. I've never thought of it, of the pain of putting it off. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really powerful Mm -hmm. because when we know within ourselves that something is meant for us and we don't do it, I do think it really does elicit pain. Mm
1: -hmm. What was the? Can I ask, what was the change for you? What was the thing after the seven years that you finally took the leap for yourself?
0: I was tired of the pain, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was to a place where I was tired of the cloud hanging over me. I just need to do this. But going back, this also ties into the quote you just uh, read. What I found was, and I've always heard, like, you're supposed to write every day. You're supposed to write every day. That's like the expectation, right? Uh, write every day. I could not do that. Couldn't write every day. My brain is not a brain where I can write for 20 minutes and then walk away and then come back and be reimmersed in it. So what I ended up finally doing was setting aside two full weekends um, where I told my husband, you take all the responsibilities. I'm in my office. I'm not leaving. You bring me food. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Love it. And he agreed. And so I spent two full weekends, a couple months apart, just writing. And mm. I pretty much wrote my book in those two weekends. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, there's all this stuff the editing and all of that, yeah. that comes out, but immersing myself in the writing, in the feeling, in, in that space was so important for me to get it done. Mm. And I I love that you bring that up
1: because I talk a lot about writing personalities. And I think so many of us think our writing personality has to look a very certain way. Yes, if you're a writer, you need to write every day, or you need to set aside You know, five hours or whatever it is. And it's like, yo, like most people are like trying to, you know, parent or trying to work full time jobs or whatever, but they're also wanting to write. Like you got to be realistic and you have to be realistic about how you work. I'm kind of similar to you in the sense of when I write, I need a large amount of time because I will sit and stare at the screen it takes me like at least an hour before usually anything gets on the page. Like I just stare at it and maybe I get a sentence down and then it starts to flow ish. Like I'm a slow writer. I need lots of time. And I think like listening to that personality within you. And I think some folks don't know, actually a lot of us don't know and you got to try out different things and see what works. Try out that writing retreat weekend for yourself how does that feel? Some people will be like, Oh, God, no, it's horrible. Give me nine in the morning every day. You know, like, And that's great. So trying out different things, but giving yourself the permission to to put on different personalities of your writing style, um, writing routine and seeing what what lights you up, what feels good. Um, but that's something for folks that because of one of the big halts besides like fear, obviously, is I don't have time and everybody can have time everyone can have time. It's just about finding the way time
0: can work for you and you can work for it. Right. And it's prioritizing. For years, everything else was prioritized over that. Mm -hmm. And so it was me, took me finally saying, this is the number one priority to follow through.
1: Yeah. And I, I, uh, I just want to help folks like beat the the place of complete defeat before they arrive there <laughs> like what if we got there before we feel like so devastated about the fact that we haven't done it yet like mm-hmm. can we show it before them you know mm-hmm. like why do we why do we put why do we prior, prioritize everything else other than our creative calling it's always the last and i think it's maybe because when we grow up like we're like get serious you know you hear get serious. like focus on other things or la 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 and it's like it just breaks our heart or a little baby hearts, every time we put it off and you know so i'm so glad you finally did it it's so
0: Thanks. so important yeah yeah now the fact that i need to write the next one is in my head so yay
1: good <laughs> do you think you'll do the same uh like kind of thing you did last time with the two weekends or I think you'll try something different i think i would do the same
0: yeah yeah it worked mm-hmm. it did yeah yeah. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah.
1: I'm impressed. Two weekends. That's like, even though like all of your energy was there, like that's fast. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. I would say though, <laughs> I already had an outline. I already had all of that. And mm. so it wasn't like from scratch. And I had already tried writing every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit there.
1: that's amazing. You had a little head start. That's awesome. That makes makes sense.
0: (laughs) But I do love that. It is so true. We all are motivated by different things. We all have a different style. And that's one thing I don't like. You know, there's so many things out there that's like, if you just do this, you'll be successful if you just follow this formula, you know, really understanding That it's your formula that works specifically for you, not necessarily something that's worked for someone else. That is
1: a hundred percent true. Oh my gosh. Like we try to put on outfits that just like do not fit us. And I'm like, that's awkward and (laughs) (laughs) And uncomfortable. And no, I mean it's so true. Like we've gotta and I think so much of that goes along with like giving yourself time and the ability to the chance to fail, the chance to find on find something that's not going to work. But we have to give ourselves the, the opportunity to mm-hmm. to see what's going to work and what's not. And so much of the time, we're just afraid to take our time. We're afraid to fail or put on something uncomfortable, or whatever. But that's part of the work, you know. That's why it's considered a work in progress and. And all of our writing all of our life is that invitation to be that <laughs> work in progress. It's a beautiful thing. it's a it's a sacred thing to be to be in that space, but can be uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tell me a little bit more about the year. Is there a specific reason why it's write your book in a year? Is it like a a formula of some sort? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so book year is the name of my writing program, but I have multiple time frames in which people can sign up for it. So the idea is to try to write their book in a year or less. Um, so I have like a four month where people who are like super speedy. Sure. Like, go for it. Let's go. Uh, there's a nine month, um, which is like birth the book. And then, and then there's the year, of course, if you would like more time, which is nice because it gives there's a spaciousness that allows for it. The reason I encourage people to do it in a year or less is because when we expand something over, especially writing of the first draft, then a lot of times, like, if we give ourselves too, too much time, we lose interest, we lose steam, uh, we deprioritize. So having that kind of framework of time, of structure really helps stabilize our creative process. So it comes back to that kind of creating that safe space, that trauma-informed space of like, if it's completely loose, like there's no boundary. So we have to have some kind of setup and boundary within our creative work, or we don't know where it's going, what's going to happen. What's the frame, you know? Mm-hmm. So time, just setting up that time as a commitment for self with the book year experience is really critical. So when I had folks applied to, to work with me, and they fill out the application and they're asked what time frame. you know, I'm excited for them to really reflect on that because it's really important. Are they choosing the four month because it's cheaper because they just want to write it real fast. If it feels good, that's amazing. Like go for it. But If they're doing it just because of money or because they're like, oh, I got to hustle. I got to be published in. I don't know, six months or whatever. I'm like, listen to your body. Is that actually what feels good for you? Because if it doesn't, then when you're writing, that pressure is probably going to compete compete against you. And like the resistance is going to get really loud versus listening in for the spaciousness and what feels good for you. So I think it's, it, I love the different time frames as options for people, but I always just invite people to really listen into which one feels really most aligned with where you are in this in this process. And so for someone like you, I think like, well, four months probably would work because you would just be like, you know, writing for two weekends and you'd be able to punch it out. But for someone that needed that extra time, the year or, or nine months, who might be a better fit. It, it The spaciousness of of the program, um, it's, it's awesome. So I work with folks from beginning to end and some folks come and work with me that have already started. They might be, you know, halfway through a draft. And uh, and I'm working with them to help them complete it and come up with that plan for publishing and how they want to get that out in the world. And for others, they're showing up literally with like, I know I want to write a book, but I have no idea where to start or what to do. And we literally come up with the outline, the book idea, and we set up monthly milestones to have them complete it in however long it is that they want to do that. So it's a really beautiful process. I feel like my process is really unique. I Maybe I'm just being like... <laughs> I feel like it is <laughs> in the sense that one, I come from the space of this trauma-informed lens, so I'm really mm-hmm. trying to hold that space for folks as a reflector, as a mirror, as a witness. I use that word a lot to hold space for their sacred storytelling and also give them the tools and support to care for themselves as they're writing, no matter what genre, because stuff comes up no matter what you're writing. But then also, i I offer feedback and editing as they're going. So that's a really unique part of the process. and I love that so much because say like you're working with me and you're working a book, you, you could submit every month, like your next couple of chapters and I go in and I write feedback on it. And it's not all just like capitalize this. (laughs) It's like also offering language that's blessing you like in the sense of like, wow, I see you here or I felt deep emotion here. So it's both work that's inviting you to, to structure, restructure, do line edits, all that stuff, but also like giving you that affirmation, and encouragement around what I'm experiencing, both as the reader and as the editor of the material. And I love doing that so much. And every time I I do that with my clients' work, I'm just always I'm so emotional because I'm just so in awe. And I call my clients my teachers because I'm just like in awe of their bravery, and they help me write better because I show up to my page and they give me courage. I show up and I go, okay, can I be as brave as this? this woman is like, mm-hmm. you know like it's incredible so yeah the book care program is really beautiful i um i'm so honored
0: and yeah it's been such a gift to be able to hold the space for for folks as they're writing so other people's bravery does help us be brave ourselves for sure it's mm-hmm. so
1: important it's why we read books right it's why we i don't know i think it's even while we're sometimes on social media like we're just looking for people's experiences and Mm-hmm. Stories to reflect back around and go, oh, i are not alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. So critical. So, you said something about publishing. So, do you encourage people to self publish? Do you help people walk through submitting to publishers or getting a book agent? And all of that feels very overwhelming. <laughs> to be honest.
1: <laughs> it is overwhelming, right? So yeah, it's part of my process. Uh, we do that based on what the client is most wanting. So like when they come to me, so one of the things we approach in the first conversation is, what are you, what are you hoping for with this book? If they're like, well, I want to self-publish this for me and my family. And okay, cool. That That does show how we will move forward with the process. They want to self-publish, but they want to be a really successful self-published author. And they're using this for the business and all this kind of stuff. Cool. All right. Here's the steps for that. And when people are doing that, when I I consult them, I give them guidance, but I refer them out for um, someone that will help them with the formatting and the cover design, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I don't do the formatting and design, but I give them direction and marketing tools for how to do it. And then uh, for someone that wants to traditionally publish, you're right. Oh, my gosh, the overwhelm is real. Um, I think it's so fun, though. It's so fun. Um, but if somebody is wanting that traditional experience, it's important that we kind of address that at the beginning, if possible. Because if so, there's the whole process of you know creating that query letter, finding that agent, making that proposal. And the proposal writing and the book writing really can go hand in hand. So you're kind of doing both in tandem. And the proposal can be really helpful in creating a structure and guide for the book itself as you're writing. It helps keep things in alignment and the flow. So if somebody's wanting to do that traditional publishing, I have a client right now that is doing that. And um, so we do that in tandem. And I always clarify, I'm like, like, these are different things. So you also need to be writing, writing, for mm-hmm. your writing. And then this is the business of writing. So, this is like where you're doing research on competing titles and marketing analysis, and we're looking for agents and all this kind of stuff. So they're very separate. and you need to make sure that you're not prioritizing the proposal work over your book writing. This always has to be first. The book writing always has to be first. But yeah, we do that in tandem um to to give them a step-by-step process, templates, all that kind of good stuff so they know where they're going because it can feel really overwhelming. Um, so i offer, I offer edits on those too, so they have, um, Support and guidance on that process. So then all they have to do is really submit it out, find that agent, get it published, you know. So mm-hmm. the big thing with folks that are wanting to do that, that I always say is just making sure you have a really crystal clear idea. You make sure you have a really strong hook. The publishing industry, whenever you're looking for traditional publishing, it's a business. So the, the agents, the publishers, they're looking for a book that's going to sell. So when you're thinking about that, considering your own story of and this does not diminish the value of it but like how is it competitive with other stories like how is with the way that you're positioning your book different and going to reach a large audience And so that's a lot of when you're writing the proposal and the query and all that good stuff that you can position your book in a way that shows them i'm gonna have a lot of readers for this and that has nothing to do with social media size i'm not talking about that just literally what is it about your story and the way that you're writing this that's going to grab the attention um, that's what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. So, in the traditional publishing room, so both are really powerful. I think all of the forms of publishing are amazing, but I think just listening to what it is you're most wanting, and then creating a plan for that based on that as you're writing the book. So, yeah, that's part of the process that that we go through um, at the beginning and clarifying. And it's a whole other type of teacher, a different type of teacher than the actual writing itself. When you start getting to that place of publishing and knowing, oh shit, this is getting real, then mm-hmm uh okay
0: uh let's let's work <laughs> through that now mm-hmm. <laughs> <beautiful> yeah <laughs> yeah, in anything in life in general, I think it's powerful to have someone come alongside you who has been down that path before to support you and encourage you and you know help equip you and prepare you for what you're going to encounter is mm-hmm. just a beautiful beautiful thing and mm-hmm. so to be able to walk with people in a way of helping them gain this healing and freedom is is so awesome yeah well
1: it's also such a privilege i always say it's an honor to be able to walk alongside people and you know i feel I consider my work kind of like a wilderness guide you know i'm like guiding people through this forest that they haven't been on and I'm showing them things I'm like, oh, look, check out this tree, check out this thing. And here's the path. And I'm guiding them. And then I, I feel like I kind of just show them the way. And then I step all the way and I say, well, go explore, you know, I'm not interested in being a, a dictator through <laughs> the book writing experience. It's really about you having your experience, but helping you know how um, and to feel safe and to feel empowered um, mm-hmm. is really key. I want you to be able to do it and then do it again and do it again. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then know you can. I mean, geez go. It's amazing.
0: So I would love to know what do you feel has been the most vital for your growth?
1: So I think there's so many things that have been so vital for my growth. But the first thing that comes to mind was when I went to graduate school. I think when I went to graduate school, that was the, uh, such a life-changing experience for me, not just because of the program, but the choice to do it. So when I made the choice to move across the country, I was moving from Louisiana to Seattle. Um, I was scared. I didn't know what, you know, I'd never really moved away from home and um, never took that that um, leap for myself and saying, I'm worthy of this. I can do this. I'm smart enough, all these things. And uh, I did it and went to that program and that program changed my life. It asked me to go... Some deep places in my story. I always say that, you know, I went to that psychology program and it was like, just basically really expensive therapy, but I got (laughs) a degree.
0: That's so funny because I'm a therapist and my graduate uh, program, I say, I went to learn how to heal myself first. Mm -hmm. It's totally can totally relate. Grad school changed everything for me.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, same. I went there to to learn about my story and understand my life. And um it just equipped me. So it changed mm-hmm. me. There's so many life changing experiences within that experience. But I'd say just the initial going and saying, yes, you're worthy of this, you can do this um, mm-hmm. was really incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your degree in? Um, So it's a it's a Master of Arts in uh, Theology and Culture. That's (laughs) cool. It's kind of like, what is that? Uh, But it was uh, but my thesis work was on trauma and body and integration. So the program, the school I was at is called the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. So it it's really studies deeply um, the work of narrative therapy, but through a lens of looking at, like, how do we interweave this deep understanding of text and soul and culture um, within our work?
0: That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's I fun. want to go there. <laughs> oh, you should! It's awesome. It's a great school. You'd love it. <laughs> so, walking away from this episode, what do you want to make sure people know? Oh, I mean, this one's easy. Write
1: your book. Write the thing that's on your heart. And I say, write your book. Write the thing that's on your heart. Is in like for anyone that's ever felt like they had something to create, and everyone does. I want you to think about when you were little and your little desires, what you longed for when you were young and how are they still like sitting within you now and how can you create space for them? Know that your voice matters. Know that what you want to create matters. Know that you don't have to wait one more freaking day to take the risk on your life and on what you long for. Go there because you're worthy of it. That's 100% what I would say. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Powerful. Thank you so much, Megan, for being here, for sharing your heart and for for the way that you do walk with people. I feel like people are going to walk away from this empowered and excited to get writing Yay! yes and if people want to contact you how do they do that is there a certain social media platform you hang out on the most yeah they can just um
1: they can go hit up my personal account megan february it's f-e-b-u-a-r-y my last name is still different i know it's confusing Uh, but you'll find me there i'm always posting lots of inspirations and then um if they're interested in working with me for the writing they can go to your book um, and that's where I have all my information about working
0: together. Awesome. All yeah. right. Well, thank you. Thanks yeah. so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the we podcast. I'm grateful for you showing up with us in this space. If you'd like to connect, please look for links to our social media and ways to get in touch in the show notes. This show is produced by loudspeaker public media. You should also know that loudspeaker is completely listener supported and that you can become a member at loudspeaker.org. You can find more of the WE podcast as well as so much more awesome programming on the network. And again, that's at loudspeaker.org. Also giving credit to my talented daughter for creating my show music. If you heard something that resonated with you and you know it would be helpful for others, please don't forget to share with your friends. You can also read more of our blog focused on all things personal growth at thewespot.com. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth. Show up for the hard conversations. Choose growth and always know that you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.
1: This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.
0: This episode is brought to you by Audible. In my conversation with Megan, we talk all about Writing your book and facing the fear, embracing the creativity. So many beautiful things that happen when people share their stories and and they write their books. And Audible is one place where you can consume those stories. Now, unfortunately, not all the books are on Audible, but there are some really amazing books on there. Lots of other things that they offer too, like podcasts guided wellness programs, and lots of Audible originals that you can find over there. One of my favorite Audible books that is read by the author, which is my favorite when it's read by the author, is called Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. And that's by Elizabeth Gilbert, who is one of my favorite authors. So get immersed in your own growth. Get immersed in the vulnerable connection with other people that you can find through listening to and reading those stories. So head over, check it out. You can get signed up by visiting audibletrial.com slash we podcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash we podcast. When you sign up, you get a free 30 days and then after that, it's only 14.95 a month which is totally worth it. All right, let's get back to the conversation.